Welcome to Strange Shenanigans. Hello and welcome to Strange Shenanigans. I'm Ashley. I'm Stan. And in this episode, we're going to talk about mass disappearances and... The cult of the family. Ooh, the family. Just the family. That's it. They weren't very clever. No. For cult, they didn't have a great name. No. Though many cults didn't really have great names. Most of them are pretty history, terrible names. They're pretty awful names. Right. They get really good names like after they're all dead. Right. Like the Jonestown Massacre. Yeah. Like they get good names when they're all dead, I guess. But. Yeah. So yeah, they're just pretty, pretty lame. Yeah. The family. The family. Because we've never used that before. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who's starting us off? I guess you're starting us off with some mass disappearances. Okay. Uh, while looking for a place to rest on November 30th, uh, November 1930, a fur trapper by the name Joe LaBelle uh, wandered into an Inuit settlement near Anajukin Lake in Nunavut, Canada. Uh, the campfire was still burning. There was burnt food in the pot, but there was nobody anywheres. Of the 30 plus people in this tribe and community, it was completely abandoned. So, uh, each hut still contained all the residents' personal possessions, the community's food and supply of fish that would get them through the winter was still there and uh they couldn't figure out he couldn't figure out why they'd be gone and leave all their weapons clothing food and everything and just disappear um so he's he went uh back into the nearest settlement in town and sent a uh uh telegraph to the uh the mounties who uh, sent a unit out to the isolated settlement. Uh, they uh, they stopped on their way at, with a uh, local trapper named Armand Laurent, and he informed them of uh, strange objects in the night sky in the Ooh. same time period. And a uh, gleaming object that had flown over his property several nights earlier. It had headed in the direction of the Anajukin Lake. Upon arriving at the Inuit village, the uh, Mounties confirmed that it was completely abandoned and that all the graves on the edge of their settlement had been broken open and the the bodies of the dead removed. Weird. Right? Gross. Uh, even more bizarre, the stone makers were neatly, markers were neatly placed in two piles on each side of the graves. Uh, the case remains unsolved despite two investigations by the Canadian authorities in the early 1930s. But they probably didn't look into it much further after that. Obviously aliens. No, I think it's way more sinister than that. When in doubt. No. It's always aliens. Do you know what was going on in Canada in the 1930s? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was busy They were then. scooping up native children to make sure that they were... Yeah. They were institutionalized in that... Uh, in early Canadian terms that the native, um, native Canadian was taken out of them. Yeah, Canada so was really for, bad about for that. For a 30-strong community to see a white man wandering up to their village in the middle of the night, it would not be strange for them at all to go seek refuge, oh, wait yeah, for him to, to leave, bolt. come back, and then go someplace else. 
Yeah. Especially if the Mounties were coming in the 30s. Oh, absolutely. People think the American history with our, with the American Native, the Native Americans is bad. Just, just spend five minutes on Google looking into Canada. It yeah. is atrocious. Canada was worse and more recent. Mm-hmm. That's what's worse is how recent it was, well into the 90s. Yes. But anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so that's my take on that one. It's got nothing to do with aliens, and that's just a, something to throw people off. So the next one, uh, after sailing from New York to Genoa, Italy in December of 1872, the Mary Celeste was found drifting aimlessly with no crew or any sign of life aboard uh, about 400 nautical miles off the coast of the Azores. At first, it appeared that the ship had her, her crew had fallen victim to pirates looking to obtain her cargo for themselves. However, the ship's entire load and crew supplies were still on board. The captain's log also remained. Something must have disturbed the men suddenly and made them take immediate action because the crew would have taken the log even if they abandoned the ship because that's regular protocol. Okay. Because you need to know what happened leading up to any sort of problem on the ship, so you have to have the captain's log. While the disappearance remains a mystery, M.K. Jessup argued in his book, The Case for the UFO, that this strange incident was just one of such mass alien abductions throughout history. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. My next one. Uh... The USS Cyclops performed duties on the seas around Europe during World War I. However, its mysterious disappearance didn't seem to come during battle. Instead, it appeared to be the victim of the now-famous Bermuda Triangle. I love the Bermuda Triangle. In February of 1918, the USS Cyclops left its port in Brazil. By March 3rd, there was confirmation that the ship was off the coast of Barbados. Then communication suddenly ceased and the vessel completely disappeared. With over 300 crew members and passengers, never any distress signal or call. Uh, furthermore, searches in and around the ship's last confirmed position revealed no wreckage, ruins, or any types of debris associated with the sudden sinking of such a massive ship. The whereabouts of the U.S. Cyclops and what caused it to vanish still remain unknown, and they have still not found it with all the surveying of the bottom of the Bermuda Triangle. Ah. So, aliens? Sure. Always. In February 1923, the 600 residents of a small Brazilian village of Huero Verde uh, completely vanished overnight, leaving their possessions and food behind. A small group of visitors made the unsettling discovery when they ventured into the town. As they walked deep into the small community, it became apparent that there was absolutely no one there. Weird. All around was a chilling silence. There were... The, they said there was no sound of birds or insects. That's no sounds of birds or insects in Brazil, which is super weird. That is weird. Upon entering the village school, the police saw this message on the blackboard that said there is no salvation. A <laughs> gun discovered nearby had been fired within the previous 24 hours. Several theories about the fate of villagers uh, revolve around the paranormal or aliens, uh, but other people point to the much more likely uh, devolving and changing political landscape of Brazil at the time and speculate that the res residents decide to leave the area rather than be stuck in the middle of a civil guerrilla warfare. Yep. 
uh, is a plausible theory, you know, but uh, in all honesty, even if they were going to pick up and leave, why would they leave everything? They didn't take all the food, food wasn't disturbed. No paper There's trail. no clothes. That's true. I mean, just dissolve into the woods. I think some of these communities, and, and there's a lot of more stories like this. There's a lot of boat stories, but a lot of them are like it, it was a 30 foot boat in the open ocean. They drowned. It's gone. Like, they're yeah. dead. Yeah, that, that's a stupid ass mass dis and i'm sorry but three people does not make a mass disappearance on a boat on a tiny boat in the middle of the pacific Atlantic <laughs> ocean but it makes sense when all these villages just disappear that they leave everything behind because that's no trail that's true how are you gonna accidentally drop your fish bone on the way if you bring any fish to eat on the way well what i see the brazilian one would make sense to me because it's brazil and there's Plenty to live off wherever you go in Brazil, which they actually looked into. They sent police to like outlying towns in like a hundred mile radius and found no members of the village in any town. They just disappeared into the friggin' wilderness. But it's it's Brazil, like mm -hmm. they could go anywhere. It's true. That's what I got for mass disappearances. If you Ooh. have any other cool ones, let us know and we'll look into it. And speculate wildly. Speculate wildly, yes. I do not believe any of this has anything to do with aliens. I think it all has to do with aliens. I don't. Because I think what it, else am I living for then? I think it all has way more likelihood to do with just shitty people. Um, I believe there's rainbows in the world. No, I believe most people are shit. No. <laughs> no, not, not most people. That's not true at all. About 50%. That's also not true. Maybe sure. like 0.2%. Wow, that's optimistic as hell. <laughs> All right, what do you got, Ashley? Well, speaking of optimism and happy things, I'm going to talk about the cult, The Family, Ooh. based in Australia. Um, that was just around for way too long and had very little repercussions. Seems like a big thing in Australia, <laughs> though. Yeah, when, when cults really want to make it, they're like, you know where we're going to go? Australia <laughs> like how many documentaries have we watched or you guys have probably seen where they're like and then they made a base in Australia yeah. like, and then they really flourished like yeah. okay I don't know what's going on in Australia but somehow they are just so susceptible to cults they like welcome them in I don't know what's right. happening <laughs> and if anyone from Australia is gonna get mad at this I don't know what to tell you. Stop letting cults come in. <laughs> right. Like, that's the last thing you need. So speaking of cults, this lady didn't come in to Australia because, you know, she was already there. So she, one step. Right. She got the first step out of there. So in 1964, a shockingly beautiful lady named Anne Hamilton Byrne had a religious and philosophical discussion group at the home of parapsychic Renard Johnson on the outskirts of Melbourne. And then the group purchased an adjoining property in 1968 and they constructed a huge meeting hall. So she kicked off her religious teachings with another cult. <laughs> her group consisted of middle-class professionals, many whom were medical personnel that were recruited by uh, Miss Anne Hamilton Byrne, and she had 
was managing to find all these people through her yoga classes because yoga was cool before it was cool then in Australia. Oh, yeah. Um, many of the members lived in the suburbs of Melbourne and the local townships, and they met every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday evening at their giant lodge. And that was the beginning of the family. How did the family grow so big, though, by just doing yoga? Well, during the 60s and 70s, there was a New Haven hospital, and it was a private psychiatric hospital that was owned and managed by Marion Vilmeek, who was a member of the family. Many of its staff of this psychiatric hospital were also members of the family. The family recruited hospital patients into the group and administered LSD to patients and members under the direction of the psychiatrist who belonged to the family, John McKay and Howard Whitaker. They were the original members of the family, recruited by Anne, of course, and they were given LSD, um, electroclusive therapy, and two lobotomies during this late 60s. Yikes. Now, the New Haven Hospital closed down in 1992, but not until 1992. (laughs) Um, There was a death of a patient in 1975, and it was due to deep sleep therapy. They heard evidence concerning the use of electrocollusive therapy, LSD, and other practices, but they found no evidence that deep sleep had been used. Now the hospital is a nursing home, but that was the beginning of the family. Now, why is the beginning of that important? Well, it's because that is how Anne Hamilton Byrne acquired all of her children. That's right, she acquired all of her children. She didn't actually have any kids that she birthed on her own. So by building these relationships with a fellow I don't know, I guess it wasn't called a cult, but a cult with a fellow cult next door and gaining all these members through how cool hippie yoga is, through all the medical communities. I just looked up deep sleep therapy and uh, it's completely discredited to this day, but it uh, it's responsible for at least 25 known deaths. <laughs> well, there you go. Yes. <laughs> so it was important... Because that's how she acquired all of her children. So between just 1968 and 70 and 1975, she acquired 14 infants and young toddlers that she legally adopted as her own. Now, some of the children were members of her cult of the family, but many of them were obtained through illegal adoptions that were arranged by lawyers, doctors, and social workers within the family who could bypass all of the protocols. The children's identities were changed using false birth certificates, and they were all given her last name, which was Hamilton Byrne. They all dressed alike, and most of them had their hair dyed uniformly blonde. They have the same outfits and same hair color and same hairstyle. All of them were tamed by other members of the family or members of the patients that they were testing on at the hospital that was opened until 1992. Jesus. Gross. Right? All of these kids were kept in deep seclusion in the cult, and they were schooled at K Lama, a rural property referred to as Up Top, which was in Australia. 
They were all told that Miss Anne was their biological mother and knew the other adults in the group as aunties and uncles. They were denied all access to the outside world and they were disciplined in ways that include starvation, diets, and frequent beatings. Yes. Also, if that wasn't enough, being ripped away from your... It was the 60s, so the women probably weren't crazy. Nope. We all know the 60s. Yep. They are probably just unhappy or tried to divorce somebody or was hit by somebody and revolted and they were deemed you're nuts. Yep. So all of these women, if they had children, the kids were ripped away from them. That wasn't enough. You were put into the cult of the family and adopted by a crazy lady who didn't have any actual kids of their own and you were starved and beaten that wasn't enough um drugs were frequently administered to the children psychiatric drugs like most of these things i can't pronounce chlorophyzamine nitrosapine oxyphane trifluperazine all of these things i can't pronounce were admitted to these kids um, on reaching adolescence, they were compelled to undergo initiation process involving LSD. And while under the influence of the drug, the child would be left in a dark room alone. And then they were visited by Anne Hamilton Byrne or one of the psychiatrists from the family. Because that's just not enough. So Anne was able to do all of this until about 1987 so think of that she started a group in the mid 1960s and that's all the group did they had kids she adopted all of them dressed them all the same they administered drugs to them and beat the crap out of them so there's kids who spent their entire lives yeah formative years and that's all they knew so that pretty much sums up the group that's why the only history that matters is how they obtained the children yeah which is why people they deemed crazy but then 1987 happens, and Anne expels someone named Sarah from the group. And they said that Sarah was arguing and had rebellious behavior. I don't know, maybe the constant drug use since you were five didn't help. Right. So Sarah hires a private investigators, and she decides that she's going to bring the family down. And Ooh. with the support from private investigators, she brings everything she has to the Victoria police. Because remember, we're still in Australia. So then a raid happens on August 14th, 1987. And all of the children that were acquired by then are removed from the premises. So think about this. She starts adopting kids, let's say 1970 at the latest, and has 15 children. But then there are kids born into this cult. Yeah. So by then, we don't even know how many children are hers and our members and are still treated exactly the same. Because if you were in a kid in the cult, weird outfits, haircut, hair dyed, you belong to Anne. Even if you stayed with your aunties and uncles, you were still told that that was your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird. So then that all happens and they remove all the children. And then Sarah actually decides that she's going to become a doctor. And because she decides to become a doctor, she ends up learning that she was adopted and got to meet her actual mother, who was one of the deemed crazy ladies and couldn't have raise her own children. Yeah. She didn't even know she was adopted. She thought Anne was her actual mother. Yeah, yeah. scarring for life. So this huge rape happens, and Anne and her husband William leave Australia for six years. Then Operation Forest happens in Australia, and this is an investigation that 
um, has the UK police, the Australia police, and the US police all working together, and this results in their arrest, not until 1993, and the good old FBI in New York found them and arrested them. This is followed by admissions by former members of the family, including the group's solicitor, Peter Kibbe. Then, the group had engaged in adoption scams, including acts of forgery. So Anne and her husband, anybody who was with them, were extradited to Australia, and they were charged with conspiracy to defraud and to commit perjury, by falsely registering the births of three unrelated children as their own triplets, and these charges were dropped. Elizabeth Whittaker, the wife of Howard Whittaker, was their co-defendant, and Anne and her husband pleaded guilty to the remaining charge of making a false declaration and were fined $5,000 each. The, conspira- the conspiracy charges against the Whittakers, their lawyers were dropped, but she was convicted of falsely obtaining nearly $23,000 between 1983 and 1987. And that was it. Then other members of the family were also taken to court through this giant investigation. Margaret McLean, she was 64, was convicted of falsely obtaining $28,000. Joy, age 56, Again, convicted of falsely obtaining 38000 And Helen was convicted of falsely um, obtaining 15000 And that was it. So then in 2009, yeah, nothing happens until 2009. Not kidding. Um, two people were, given, were receiving financial compensation from Anne after suing her. Her granddaughter, Rebecca Cook Hamilton, had sued for... Um, alleged psychiatric and psychological illnesses, alleging malnourishment and cruel and inhumane treatment by Anne and her The Family followers. She was awarded $250,000. But that's it. Uh, Another former member of the family, Cynthia Chan, alleged that she paid the sum of $352,000 to Anne for real estate, but the property was never transferred to her. And she alleged that she paid the sum of 70000 to Anne to buy another property because she was like, well, it didn't work the first time. Let's do it again. And it was never transferred to her. Anne claimed she had no memory of this transaction. And her judgment was estimated at 250000 And still never was arrested or convicted of any of these money fraud charges. And even after her granddaughter won the lawsuit, still nothing happened to her. So Anne went into hiding and didn't come out of hiding till 2001 when her husband died. And then it was reported that Anne was living in a Melbourne nursing home and suffering from dementia. Oh, I'm sure she was. Right? But the group was still, like, existing. So in 2001, the group was still existing, but leadership claimed that it was unfolding. They had an interview with local radio stations and... Um, a former adoptee of the family said the group had become a toothless tiger. Whatever that means. Anne um, died in, in, at 97, and she died on June 13th, uh, 2019, and nothing ever happened to her. She just got away with all of it. She got away with everything. Every single one. <laughs> She got away with money fraud, she got away with land fraud, and she got Kidnapping. away with 
Um, we're just going to wildly estimate, but it had to have been at least 20, if not more, counts of kidnapping, fraud, yeah. everything. Yep. And her husband died. Like I said, that was the last time she was seen in public. She was at his funeral. And, um, I mean, nothing happened. Like, they were accused of this, got a slap on the wrist to pay five grand for forgery. And that was it. Nothing happened. She died in 2019. And she dead. I don't know. <laughs> but that's it. That's insane. I don't know if you're waiting for, like, justice at, like, the end of my rambling. <laughs> but there is But no. there isn't. There, there is, is no, no justice. justice whatsoever. And I don't think... I don't think there ever will be. Well, there can't be. She's I mean, they're dead. both dead. <laughs> um, a former adoptee of the family said the group was just not functioning. And I don't know why that was something to brag an interview about. Right. And that, that was it. So nothing really happened to anybody. So, yeah. Good news. <laughs> All this optimism I was just bragging about two minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just to let you know, everybody got away with everything. <laughs> so, good going, Australia. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, Australia was like the hot seat for like the... the start as yoga turn into a cult freaking that's what it did it started as yoga and then anna's like hey guess what guys i'm jesus and then everybody just like fell into place um because i've talked about ian before when i did the female cult leaders thing but it was a really quick spiel this is her whole story there's her life story she did all these horrible things got away with it and lived to be 97 right and died so i guess every june 13th just remember ian's Ian's still dead. dead Do a little jig. I guess that's all we can live with. Right. Is that Ian's dead. <laughs> What's weird enough, though, um, Sarah, who left the cult, died at 46. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't want to look into it, because I'm just like in my fantasy world hoping it was natural causes. But probably wasn't. Probably Let's not. face it. She had a screwed up childhood. Yeah. But on that note... <laughs> That's my steal about the family. Okay. Well, this has been Strange Shenanigans. We hope we've lifted you up today with our positive stories. This is a really depressing episode. Of of the human experience. Um, I'm so sorry. (laughs) If you'd like to, you can reach out to us on the Twitter. Under The Strange Show. When we post on Twitter, on X, are we Xing? No, we're still tweeting. Maybe someone can clarify this. I asked Elon. I asked Elon Musk. He didn't answer me. No, he's too busy for us apparently. Well, someone answered me. Are we Xing, tweeting? What are we doing now? But we're on Twitter, on X, whatever you call it. Normally, you're not supposed to say you're on X, but under the the strange show. And we're also on TikTok and Instagram under Strange Shenanigans. You can watch all the really weird videos we post there. You can also donate to us on Patreon so that we can finish putting our studio together. Don't forget, hashtag name our studio, and we're on Patreon under Strange Shenanigans. See you on the strange side, everybody.